Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Brothers and sisters, the reason why we're going through these nine character traits of an expert witness is because from what we're going to see in this text, from what we see throughout the Gospels, is that Jesus himself is, in fact, an expert witness. He had confidence. He called the woman at the well out for living with the man who wasn't her husband. That gave him a lot of confidence to be able to do that. He had that rigor that we mentioned. He had specialized knowledge about the woman at the well and all of her sinfulness. Jesus had consistency. His testimony focused solely on her adultery. He didn't go down any rabbit holes. He stayed right there and focused on her adultery. He provided detail. When he exposed her sinfulness, she went back to the people. What did she say? What did we realize from last week? She said, he told me all the things that I have done. He must have been paying attention to the details of her life, then detailing them back to her for her to be able to go back to everybody else in the city of Sychar and say, he's told me all of the things that I have done. He was trustworthy with the woman at the well. Again, his rebuke accurately exposed the sin she was failing to hide. She was trying to hide her sin. What did she say? Again, he told me all of the things that I have done. Jesus had experience. He's all-knowing. Therefore, he exposed all of her sinfulness in one simple conversation. He displayed effective communication when she went back to the city and witnessed about Jesus. What happened? She must have been so effective in her communication because of the communication that Jesus had with her prior to about her sinfulness that when she went back and told everybody about this Jesus, her testimony therefore became effective in a communication because we know that it says today they went out of the city and were coming to him. If she wasn't effective in communicating the message of Jesus and her testimony about Jesus, they wouldn't have come out of the city and come to him. He displayed dedication as well. He stuck to the details, again, of her adulterous sin. And finally, we know that Jesus practiced improvisation because Jesus said to her in the middle of that conversation, he said, go call your husband. And how did she answer again? She said, I have no husband. These nine characteristics bring us to our sermon's title this morning. And that title is this, Evidence of Jesus as the Messiah. Evidence of Jesus as the Messiah. Today we're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 39 through 45. We must remember last week as it ties into the context of what we're seeing here this morning. In fact, last week and the week before and the week before that all tie into this one sermon, which I just absolutely love, and you should as well, because again, we've stated this prior too. Most times you'll just see like a quick one sermon on the woman at the well, and here we are doing four sermons having to do with this one occasion with the woman at the well, and what that does is it allows us to see exactly everything that God is doing in its full entire context. But last week, 
When we went through the text, we realized that harvest hearts, when we do this, we rely on God's timing, we rely on His redemption, we rely on His growth, and we rely most importantly on His teamwork. Harvesting hearts has everything to do with the work of the Lord. He just uses us and works through us, but we must always remember that He uses us as a team. We're not just individuals out here trying to harvest hearts. We work as a team. We learn that we share the gospel collectively. We share the gospel together again, and we share that gospel as a team, and we can never stress that enough. But today, we're going to be encouraged in how to be expert witnesses. And and let me tell you this, and I'm just going to say this really quick before we go any further. It's not that hard. It, It really isn't. And you're going to realize today that in order to be an expert witness on Jesus... It's actually really simple, and you're probably going to realize the only thing that really needs to happen is we just need to get over ourselves. We need to get over our own pride. And we're talking about expert witnesses on the gospel, the type of witnesses that have everything that we've already mentioned. We're talking about witnesses that have confidence, rigor, consistency, detail, trustworthiness, experience, effective communication, dedication to that in which we're being, you know, put in a position to testify about, and then also, most importantly, improvisation. So we can share, as we see here in the title of our sermon, evidence of Jesus as the Messiah. So let's go ahead and get into the text this morning and see exactly what we have going on here in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 39 through 45. Now from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one truly is the Savior of the world. And after the two days, he departed from there for Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him only because they had seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Amen. As we look to put these verses into one sentence to formulate our main idea this morning, that sentence states this. Expert witnesses believe in Jesus and testify about Him through repentance. Expert witnesses believe in Jesus and testify about Him through repentance. I I told you this is easy. In order to be an expert witness on Jesus so others can come to a saving faith in Him, it's just this simple. Again, you're going to realize it's ourselves that we need to get over, just like the woman at the well. And I hope that all of us find a little bit of ourselves and what we have already been seen with the woman at the well. Again, we've already stated this morning, she was, after all, failing to hide her sin. The same is true for us. Any sin that we ever try to hide will always end in failure. So as we look at these first 
three verses this morning, 39 through 41, it is evident from verse 39 that the woman at the well was born again. What does she say? He told me all things that I have done. Now, the phrase born again was first introduced in chapter 3 with Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, how do we know that she's born again? What is it that we see happening in this encounter with the woman at the well that leads us to believe that she, in fact, is born again? Well, I think we look no farther than the fact that she's, she verbalized her repentance. She didn't disagree with Jesus. It wasn't like she argued with Him. She didn't deny any of His accusations. In fact, she embraced them to the point of public acceptance. See, she therefore then became an expert witness to her own sinfulness. Her testimony therefore became credible because she admitted to the sin that was actually already public knowledge. She went from avoiding gossip to publicly addressing the same gossip in which she was previously avoiding. Remember, we've talked about this several times over the last few weeks. She was going to the well at the sixth hour. And there was only one reason why she was going to the well at the sixth hour. And that reason was because she knew or she knew that people knew about her lifestyle that she was living and she didn't want to go when all the other ladies were there. She wanted to avoid that gossip. So here she is now publicly admitting to the gossip she was once trying to avoid. And it's interesting that Jesus caught her in the act of actually trying to avoid that gossip. Again, I can't stress enough. Each and every one of us can find ourselves within our own sinfulness being able to relate to the woman at the well. What does it say? Many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. See, that's the reason why we're stressing that. If you can identify with her, then the same could be true about what the Lord could do through you to bring others to Him. Do you know what I have that some of you actually don't have? There's something that I have that some of you don't have. Actually, what I'm actually referring to, some of you actually do have, but most of you don't have. There's something that I have that you don't, and, and it's this. It's the fact that I have, I have received theological training. Do you know what the woman at the well did not have? She didn't have theological training. So here's the application for all of us. What is your excuse? It can't be theological training is something that you're lacking, and that's the reason why you can't be an expert witness on Jesus to others. I mean, she's already debunked that. See, the only thing that she did was publicly admit her sinfulness. And when she did that, many of the Samaritans believed. What's really happening here is that Jesus' testimony, His own personal testimony about who He is, gave the woman her own testimony. 
Our own testimony about Him gives us the confidence that we need, gives us the rigor that we need, gives us the consistency, the detail, the trustworthiness, the experience, the communication, the dedication, the improvisation that we need in order to be expert witnesses about Him. Anytime we give our own testimony, it's really about Jesus. It's not about us. Brothers and sisters, you do not need theological training to be an expert witness on Jesus. There's no amount of theological training that's going to be able to do for you that what Jesus has already done in your life to save you. Theological training is quite different. It teaches you how to study the Word so you can be more effective in your study of God's Word. But the actual salvation that happens has nothing to do with that at all. It has everything to do with our own personal, individual encounter with Christ, us receiving His grace, believing in Him in faith, And then doing what we see here with the woman at the well, repenting, turning away from our sin and turning back towards God. Now, there's something that we should stress here then if we're talking about repentance. We should be actively repenting. We should be actively testifying evidence of Jesus as the Messiah. Now, I want to stress the word active. Because too often we think, hey, I repented once and I'm good. It doesn't work like that. The longer we walk with the Lord, the more our sinfulness will be exposed to us. The more mature we become in Him, the more mature we are to be able to handle the sinfulness that is exposed to us. And when we do this, when we understand this process, we can constantly and consistently be repenting of sin in our lives. And every single time that we have an opportunity to repent of our sin, turn away from it, and turn back towards God, we are becoming or showing that we are expert witnesses on Jesus. We're just an extension of his testimony. And we know this is true because what does it say here? Many more believed because of what? Because of His Word. See, too often you hear people give their testimony and really what it becomes is all about them. It's all about, well, I used to do this and that. And it's almost like a brag session. No. They believe because of His Word. When we become expert witnesses on Jesus... His testimony becomes our testimony. The woman at the well is sharing her testimony, but we can relate to it. Why? Because we're sinful too. So again, let me ask that question. What what is your excuse? What's stopping you from being an expert witness on Jesus? I hope it's not the fear of failure. We must understand something because if it is the fear of failure, there's something that we must understand. Witnesses are not responsible for converting people. Their task is to tell the truth about what they know. So again, 
What's stopping you from telling others what you know about Jesus? What is it that we know not only about Jesus, but ourselves? Well, let's take that famous quote that we use from time to time from Milton Vincent in the Gospel Primer, where the Gospel is defined as we're hell-deserving sinners saved through the person and work of Jesus. That's what I know about myself. I don't deserve eternal life. I actually deserve hell. But because of my faith in Jesus, because He's gifted me my faith in Him, and I have received that gift, in return I have repented of my sin and want to be willing to continually repent of my sin I know that I will receive eternal life based upon the work of Jesus. Again, it is on His Word. It is His testimony. That's it. It's simple. So simple. There's no theological training required. No excuses to be rendered. This is the good news. This is the gospel that saves because we know that Jesus Himself saves. And we know that He saves even a dirty, rotten, hell-deserving, habitually adulterous woman. And her repentance and our repentance alike is what provides the necessary evidence of Jesus as the Messiah. So as we move on to verse 42, we, we mentioned that it's Jesus' testimony. It's not really even our testimony that gave the woman her own testimony. And when we believe in Jesus and His testimony, our own testimony about Him does in fact make us expert witnesses. And this is exactly what verse 42 is telling us. When we look at verse 42, this is exactly what it's telling us. When it says, it is no longer because of what you said we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. The Bible isn't about us. The Bible is about Jesus. Every verse in the text leads to Jesus. Even our own testimony is really testifying about Him. The encounter with the woman at the well deals really with two things that we see here. And they're really simple. Jesus is handling two things with her. He's dealing with sin and He's dealing with salvation. There's no talk of living a life of purpose or anything about being a better you. Simply, it's sinful behavior which leads to death, pitted against grace, faith, and repentance that leads to life. The Samaritans simply believed, as it says here, in the One who is, as it says, Savior of the world. Not because Jesus motivated them to live their best life now. No, it's because Jesus motivated them to repent why do you think they were going to Him in the first place? They weren't going to Jesus for any other reason. They saw her repent. They saw her, this lady who was failing to hide her sin. 
She was struggling to go get water when all the other women got water. And now here she is coming back telling everybody, hey, everything that I've ever done, this, this man told me everything. He exposed me. That's why they came to Jesus. Because when it was all said and done, do you think some of those people saw some of the same things in themselves that they already saw in this woman that they were gossiping about? I bet you they did. I bet you they did. The Samaritans simply believed in the one who is the Savior of the world, not because of any other reason, not because... Jesus motivated them to live their best life now. No, because Jesus motivated them to repent so they can live their best life yet to come. That's our hope as believers. That is the greatest news of the good news. The fact that our best life is yet to come. It's not here. It's not now. It is what has been promised, what is being held and secured for us because of the person and work of Jesus. So as we continue to look at our last three verses this morning, what does it say right here in 43? So after the two days, which were actually spent in Sychar, Jesus and his disciples went to Galilee. Which is why Jesus says this. He says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. See, this is significant because Jesus wasn't simply a savior for his own people. He wasn't just a savior for his own people. He says a prophet has no honor in his own country because Jesus is the savior of the world. Now, here's something that's a little bit deeper. Speaking of that theological training, and this is, this is actually where theological training is beneficial, and where some of us men here in this church have benefited from having theological training like this. But see, when you, when you see this where he says a prophet has no honor in his own country, and then we look at other parts of the Bible where some of the same language is actually being used, own country, something that would come to mind for me would be Hebrews, the end of Hebrews. There's mention multiple times of own country. What that's really saying is that Jesus didn't have any honor in this world in which he was in at this particular period in time because the world was at odds against him. It wasn't just his country. We're not talking about an individual nation here. This refers to the whole world. Again, how did Jesus end his time on earth? As a suffering servant who was sacrificed. He was executed. He was crucified. He was buried, but then he rose. But the world wanted to stop Jesus, and they went all the way to the point of death in order to do that. That's the reason why he has no honor in his own country, because he's not even talking about this world. He's talking about what's to come. He knows that there's no honor for him as a prophet, but he's beyond a prophet. He's a savior. This goes well beyond this. It is the world against us in salvation. We understand. We know. We have God's Word. We know what God has done, is doing, and will do. We have confidence because of that. That's why we can rest and rest well 
when we lay our heads down because we know it's all about our life to come and not about our life now. Jesus is the Savior of the world, which is evidenced by the Samaritans who believed in Sychar. Right here, these individuals, because of what they saw this woman doing, that jump-started them to become to a saving faith in Jesus. If Jesus wasn't limited as a Savior he would have been just savior of, of the Jews only if he was limited, but he, he isn't. He wouldn't make this statement about a prophet because the Jews would have been his lone target audience anyway. So we know that this goes well beyond that. So why does John include this statement by Jesus anyway? John didn't have to put that in there that Jesus said a prophet has no honor in his home country. He didn't, he didn't have to put that in there, but he put that in there for this reason. He did it because of prophecy. Quite simply, it proves to be a prophetic statement. Jesus eventually does preach in Galilee only to have stones hurled at him. Jesus does eventually go to the cross. Again, every verse, I don't care how insignificant it looks in the Bible, all roads lead to Jesus. All roads lead to God's story of redemption, which leads to our salvation. Though he has no honor, as it says, in his own country, verse 45 reveals that Jesus was still received in Galilee nonetheless. So even though there was no honor, we do know people come to a saving faith in Jesus. So there are the few who do enter by the narrow gate, as we see in Matthew 7. They received him this time from what we see here because of the miracles that he had already performed. So it was the miracles that they had seen him perform and then it was also this woman's testimony. They already knew something was different about him because of everything they saw him perform, but then her testimony lined up and they were just like, okay, this has to be true. And we gather this from where it says, only because they had seen all the things that he did. So as Joe comes up and we wrap up this morning, we know that Jesus was received. However, he was only received by a small portion of the population in Nazareth. It wasn't like everyone came to a saving faith in Jesus. In fact, from what we know, it's a small portion. And at the outset of our sermon this morning, we mentioned that Jesus is an expert witness. We, we said we're actually just mimicking him as he's the expert witness. During the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus proved as much as he performed his miracles. And that's when they're saying they saw all the things in which he has done. See, his miracles were done in confidence. His miracles were performed with rigor. They were performed with consistency, with detail. They were trustworthy. They were clear in their communication. They demonstrated his dedication. And finally, his miracles were an improvisation. All proving that he is the savior of the world. A message in which we are expert witnesses too, because and only because we've received his grace, which leads to faith in Him and His work. Now the only thing left for us to do as believers in Jesus is to be active in our repentance so we can be the expert witnesses that the Lord has called us to be, which is ultimately when we're active in that repentance and others get to witness that repentance in which we're being active in, they see evidence 
of Jesus as the Messiah. And this is the reason why we stated what we stated today, our main idea, wrapping all these sentences into one sentence. Expert witnesses believe in Jesus and testify about him through repentance. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is to share you with the world. Prepare hearts and minds to receive your message. Prepare us to deliver your message. We are confident because of your work, not our work. Use us as vessels to demonstrate what you have done in our lives as expert witnesses. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.